And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, and it is a big day because we've got Seth Emerson on to talk Georgia, and we find out there's going to be a new UGA, and he's named after Will Muschamp. Welcome, Boom, who, Seth, please explain the 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 procedure to me because I, I'm not sure exactly how this works. Well, it's called a collaring ceremony. Yes. Basically a coronation. Did the Prince Charles, King Charles coronation thing happen yet? Did they, or is that? Well, I believe so. I remember seeing him in some sort of cape or something. So okay. uh, will we'll boom the white English bulldog yes. be dressed in a similar fashion before he becomes Uga 11. Now, it's also possible that Boom is named after something Kirby Smart said. Same sentiment. Uh-huh. But after Ooh. the Rose Bowl victory, when Sonny Michelle ran into the end zone, uh, Kirby Smart takes a few steps onto the field, looks into the sky, and yells, Boom! Bad word. MFR. Boom. Yeah, MFR. <laughs> boom. Um, so, same sentiment as Will Muschamp. Now, it would be weird to name it after something one of your coaches who was at Florida said at the time or was he at auburn when he said he that? was at auburn when he, he said it yeah okay yeah so they may have been playing for i can't remember if that was the the uh, 07 florida game when that happened yeah i don't think it was because i want that that game was in gainesville i want to say that happened at jordan hare it was a day game that the the boom video came out and by but, the way will will muschamp totally like unboom like at this point he is the reading glasses yeah. killed the boom yeah yeah but I, I got to say, though, if it is named after – if this dog is named after Will Muschamp, who is you know a, a Georgia grad, mm-hmm. I realize he, he was the head coach at Florida and South Carolina, but, but he's on the Georgia staff now. Like, is that not the highest honor that you can receive? I mean, he's already yeah. – we, we did find – this was my previous job. One year in Destin, I, I, I created a scoring system and attempted to calculate the person who is the most SEC person on earth. <laughs> and you got extra points if you were a head coach or an athletic director at a particular school, uh, if you've been a coordinator, if you've been an assistant coach at a, at, a, at a particular school, and you got more points for more different schools. So Will Muschamp, spoiler alert, was the most SEC person yeah. in the world. And he's done nothing to lose that title. No one's even come close. Was he at South he likes Carolina? Golden at that point? Flake chip too. Yeah, he was at South Carolina at that okay. point. Right. And, okay. But now the fact that he's he, that he has been a coordinator at his alma mater, yeah, just bumps it, yeah. bumps it right up. It's it's ridiculous. So yeah, most and and if if really if if an UGA was named or a future UGA, because well, uh, Seth, the the Siler family in Savannah, they they yes. own the the UGA line. I'm assuming when Boom is born. Boom's part of a litter of white English bulldog puppies. They don't know that this is going to be Uga 11. 
they have a painstaking historical process where they go through to pick the right one. And if you remember, tragically, they had a run there about 15 years ago where they they kept getting ones that died early. Um, it's not a very, I guess... Uh, it's not a hardy breed. It's yeah. a breed that has health problems, yeah. So they have to be very selective. Uh, the one that is retiring, Q, short for barbecue, as as you point out, although I, I cannot 100% confirm that. I'm, maybe I'll ask... It's not the British me. version of a line. Yeah. It's not spelled that way, so... Yeah. Um, but he actually kind of settled things. Like, he was UGA for almost eight years. So that was... That was a great run, and they can only hope that out of Boom, they get a long run. Boom is 10 months old, so you hope you could get 10 years out of him. And I mean, this is only UGA 11, and it started in 1958, I want to say. Wow. So it was 1950-something. So either way, uh, that is... It's not quite a- Pittsburgh Steelers coaches, but it's a good run. <laughs> well, how many... Ha- this when, did, when was Chuck Knoll hired? In the sixties, uh, I think. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. So three yeah. since the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good run and it was a bet. Like I said, they had some rough years there, uh, but they, they have settled things down and uh, to the point where like this ceased to be a story until like I was told this morning, Hey, this is coming. Um, and it was like, Oh yeah, I guess it is about time to, to do that again. So how does the collaring ceremony work? Do they do they bring him out to midfield? Do they put him on a stage? It's going to be at the 20-yard line and about eight minutes before the start of the spring game. And they are literally going to put a collar on him. I think they're going to transfer it from uh, Q, Aga 10, to, mm-hmm. to Boom, and he will be Aga 11. It's not a, not a long ceremony. I, I don't know if... Nuaga will be giving a speech. Um, I think they'll just be hoping that he doesn't poop on the field, uh, causing somebody to tear an ACL during the game. Um, speaking of, speaking of SEC things, and I think this is a Big Ten thing too. Basically, anywhere you have rural areas, this is a thing. Seth, I don't know. Growing up in in Maryland, did you have these? Did y'all ever have a cow plop at your high school? No. <laughs> So a cow plop is when you put a grid on the field and everybody could buy a square. It's like buying squares for a Super Bowl pool. I think I know where this is headed. Yeah. And you bring a cow onto the field and wherever he poops, whatever square he poops in, that person wins. And it's like, it's like a 50-50 raffle kind of thing. So that is uh, – I think – I don't want action on that. wants to raise some money – if Georgia wants to raise a little money, put a grid on the field on Saturday. You know, give us give us some lines of latitude to go along with the lines of longitude. And if Uga drops a deuce, then somebody gets a, a, a fantastic prize, maybe some season tickets or something. But everybody has donated bazillions of dollars to get in on this thing. I think that may have been what Mark Schleyball was trying to have happen when he had his okay. chocolate lab run on the field in the <laughs> That's 90s. That's right. And then... For those who don't know, ESPN's Mark Schlebaugh used to cover Georgia for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And one day, he's covering a game, and there's a dog on the field. And he's in the press box like, (laughs) some idiot's dog's on the field. And he looks at, that's my dog on the field. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) 
so there you go. That was as far as SEC people's dogs showing up at inopportune times. That is number one. Number two is Nick Saban's dog showing up in the ballroom at SEC Media Day. Brushed up against me, among other people. <laughs> I looked down and I'm like, "There's this black some something or other dog. It was black, I think, with a purple collar. I remember the purple collar." And I'm like, yeah, because he was LSU's coach at the time. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a <laughs> what's there a dog here, and we only found out later it was Nick Saban's dog. It is it, it is amazing how many just loose dog stories. Well, and then, then there was the time Ugga tried to bite the Auburn receiver. Let's which not forget is that the which has you know maybe one of the top five moments in Georgia history. If you talk, I mean, the, Auburn Robert scored. Baker was the Auburn. Receiver. Yeah, it was Robert Baker. Yeah. But, but but Baker scored right, so it's not that great. Yeah, and and that's a very that breed of dog is fairly placid. Like whenever you, you see them they on sleep the field, 23 yeah, hours, you never see them do it. So for that dog to leap and jump at anybody uh, was, was quite something. <laughs> it was amazing. All right. Seth, we do need to talk about the actual Georgia. Oh, I thought we dogs. were done. Well, Ari pointed out yesterday that Georgia's only won two national titles in 40 years. And I mean, really this, this down in its luck program needs to figure out, how to, how to get back to the top. Okay, the the two titles were the last two titles. But they got to they, they got to have a new quarterback. And and you've been so you've been covering a quarterback competition this spring and we we had Cameron Teague Robinson on last week talk Ohio State and they have a legit like 50-50 two guys splitting first team mm-hmm. reps quarterback competition going on. Georgia Carson Beck was QB2 last year behind Stetson Bennett, but Brock Vandegrift is there. Gunnar Stockton is there. How are they handling that that quarterback competition? Going into this, I thought Carson Beck has the edge. It'll be interesting to see if Brock Vandegrift or Gunnar Stockton is able to catch them. And I was two separate people that I don't think talked to each other told me before spring, watch out for Gunnar Stockton. You know, he's he was a true freshman last year, but he was on scout team, and they don't usually put a scholarship quarterback on scout team but they wanted him to play against the first team offense and practice last year, rather than just getting like, you know, third team reps, but it doesn't seem like he made the move this spring. It seems like Vandegrift made a move, but Beck still has too. Cause Beck ultimately has that experience. I mean, Kirby has said things like he knows the system very well. Uh, it, it's the kind of stuff that as much as they would be enamored by Brock Vandegrift's running ability, that they ultimately might lean on the guy who has the experience. They, they should be okay because between Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton, following Stetson Bennett, they are adhering to the rule of having a quarterback with two last names, um, which is <laughs> why they're also recruiting and probably the leaders for Dylan Riola, uh, and, you know, they're so it, it, Ryan Puglisi, the other guy they have, Ryan is also a potential. Last Ryan's name. a pretty popular yeah. last name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah North, North Carolina has got an ex player who does radio for them. And his first name is Jones. Like that's the kind of name you need as a, as a Georgia quarterback or a, or a North Carolina. Team. That never occurred to me until I was covering South Carolina and, Steve Spurrier made that point about uh, his kicker, Spencer Lanning. He's like, yep, Spencer Lanning, got two last names. Um, and then he would say that every time he referred to him to the point where I'm not actually sure his name is Spencer Lanning or Lanning Spencer. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Spencer Lanning, but uh, 
Steve Spurrier, only one last name. <laughs> so what is it? What is it to you about Carson Beck that made you feel that way, Seth? Like going into the off season, like this is the guy with the I'm way that George is here, and Ari is just getting me right back. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I just don't want and you to steal like, uh, Andy no, like, no, being no, the comedian comedy of the show. Comedy is my shtick. The guest does not come on the show and try to <laughs> bring his humor. Oh, please is please show up, need- Ari, whenever you can. Okay. Show me up. That's the yeah. only rule. Yeah, but I, uh, I have just been genuinely curious about this because of the way that Georgia has recruited the quarterback position the last few years. Um, you know who the next person after Stetson was going to be, um, and you kind of came into the offseason saying it from the beginning that Beck was the guy to beat, and I was just wondering like what the manifestation of that whole thing. Was. The guy to beat, but not like one hundred percent. Like, and and I thought that a lot of this buildup of the spring competition was to keep all three on campus and not have one of them, especially Vandegrift, because he'd be the most likely jump in the portal after the spring. I think they probably accomplished that. I think they've given off the impression that uh, Vandegrift has a real shot to the point that I, I'm tempted to ask Kirby. I almost did the other night, um, but you know how it is when you're a beat writer. You kind of hold your hold your questions. You're like, I'm going to ask it maybe after the spring game, whatever. He'll probably be asked after the spring game anyway because that'll be all about the quarterbacks. But I've been tempted to ask him, are you? could this competition go into the season because they're not opening with Oregon or Clemson. They're opening with Tennessee Martin. And then the second week is not at Oklahoma as planned. It's at home against ball state week three is at South Carolina, but then week four is, um, is home against UAB. So it almost sets up perfectly where you have two weeks where you could play both quarterbacks, make a decision to roll with one of them at South Carolina and then if it doesn't work, have another week of experimenting before you start to get into what is, quote unquote, relatively speaking, the, the meat of the schedule. I don't know if they'll do that. I don't I don't really think I mean, Kirby tried to be cute a little bit with it with Justin Fields in 2018 and it didn't work. Um, it's a fake. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that a whole other thing about it. But it, I, 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 yeah, I don't know if he'll do that. Once you've got them both there, still on the campus in August, maybe you don't have to do that. I think they'd only do that if they were legitimately torn. But it is between the two of them, and you could kind of throw Gunnar Stockton and say he's kind of in between. It is a contrast in styles. If they go to Carson Beck, they're saying, all right, we we really want a pocket guy. We want a guy with a big arm. Um, If they go to Brock Vandergriff, they're saying we – really like what we had in Stetson Bennett and a dual threat guy. Well, and the other piece of this is there's a new offense coordinator in Mike Bobo, who's not, not new to Georgia, not new to mm-hmm. Kirby smart and not new to this offense because he was an analyst there last year and, and worked with Todd Munkin. So is that going to change anything? I mean, Bobo seems to have, have a type that he likes, mm-hmm. but he's, he's also like, I thought he got a lot out of Bo Nix the year he worked with him. And Bo Nix is not necessarily that type. So uh, I, it feels like they could kind of go any way they want to with it. Bobo actually recruited Gunnar Stockton to South Carolina the one year he was there, which was another reason that people were like, mm, keep an eye on him. And that could still happen. He could still make a move. But 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's this impression that Kirby and Bobo are both old school, and so it'll be back. It'll be a pocket guy, and it, and it may. But Kirby, even before, well, Kirby is the guy who signed Justin Fields, right? And before he did that, he talked about being enamored of dual threat guys because Deshaun Watson killed his Alabama defense in two games that they played him. Um, not necessarily, and Vandergriff has talked about this, it's not about calling the play where the quarterback runs and having an offense geared about that. It's about the play where they the play breaks down and the quarterback saves them. One of Georgia's most memorable plays of the year was uh, the Tennessee game. Uh, they're at the 13, and I think it was third down. Stetson Bennett drops back. Tennessee guy gets right in the backfield, but Bennett runs away from him, runs back to the 25, and then runs for the pylon and scores. Uh, Carson Beck can't do that. Um, Brock Vandegrift, I'm not sure if he can, but he, he has a better chance of doing it. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And you know what's interesting? You mentioned having Cameron on, um, who does a great job with Ohio State. It almost, does it seem like from a detached way that it's like, well, who cares who they pick? Ohio, you know, Ohio right. State's going to be fine on offense, whereas are people watching the Georgia competition a little closer I, to I, see that that might I matter? I don't know. I'm kind of who cares who they pick with Georgia. Like, you're throwing to Brock Bowers. They took Missouri's best receiver, and they took Mississippi State's best receiver out of the mm-hmm. portal. They're going to have a decent line, and they're very deep in the backfield. Like, I almost feel more who cares about Georgia than I do about Ohio State. Well, you know what's interesting about this year, though, too, is that like the three big dogs of the sport all have quarterback uh, to re- a quarterback to yeah. replace and are going through competition. So you almost could like make this like a three-way race between Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia of like 
who's going to pick and who's going to have the best quarterback next year. And that could be the edge of who could win the national title a year from now. Maybe that's a little bit premature here on April 11th, but you know, I was just like, I kind of feel what you said about Ohio state of like who they pick, uh, you know, who cares? Like to me, that's the epitome of what Georgia has become. And the question that I wanted to know Seth, and maybe this is just contrived in my mind and you tell me if it is, but before Stetson Bennett found success, like let's just like go back to the two years ago when he was named the starter and was, is, you know, starting his path this way. Like, was there this thought process that Kirby smart blunders his quarterbacks mm-hmm. or is that just me? Like, was that, or was yeah. that a thing in Georgia? That was, I mean, we've gone back and forth about fields versus from, uh, yeah, but not even just that. I just mean in general, was, like all of it. Yeah. Uh, the only, that was the main impetus for it though. Like nobody okay. thought that they picked the wrong one. His first year that was, they had Grayson Lambert coming back, but Jacob Eason five-star just gotten there. They Kirby knew they weren't going to be a great team that year. So he played Eason early. Uh, said, let's get him the experience now. And then Jake Fromm goes in the next year when Eason gets hurt and Fromm never loses the job. 2018 is Fields Fromm. 2019, mm-hmm. there was never a debate between uh, Jake Fromm and his uh, only scholarship backup, who was uh, this former walk-on who could never do anything like lead the team to a national championship or be a Heisman finalist, even though he ended up doing that. Um, 2020, that guy, I mean, honestly, like, 2020, Jamie Newman opts out. It's between Dwan Mathis and JT Daniels. JT Daniels is not clear. Dwan Mathis starts. Stetson Bennett rescues them, and then the Stetson Bennett story begins at that point. Right. Um, you could look back on it <laughs> with full hindsight, if you wanted to now, and say, how did they never realize what they had the whole time with Stetson Bennett? Um, which would be... Great revisionist history because everybody, but also too, when he formed into like, Seth, he wasn't at the beginning what he is, what he became at the beginning right. either. No, like there no. has to be some sort of like development there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there will be defensive players on Georgia's 2017 team who will tell you, "Oh, we could tell all along when he was a true freshman walk on that that guy was really good because he was a scout team. They were the ones who told him to transfer. They said, "Get out of here because you need to go somewhere to play. You're too good not to play." Um, and he ended up playing at Georgia after that long circuitous path but yeah the the Stetson Bennett experience has kind of validated Kirby and you don't hear anybody anymore saying well he's going to screw up this choice okay yeah because I wondered like if this is a big time decision for him if there any of that was lingering but how do you have that linger when you win a back-to-back national championships with a walk-on but like it was like I thought to myself that like well why were they ever in a position where Stetson Bennett needed to save them uh, was an interesting discussion. And then two years removed from that, you have a five-star quarterback. And I think Stockton was a fringe five-star, right? And it's like now yeah. neither of those two are ready to take over. And you kind of get that old feeling of like, well, what's going on there? But if Beck is really good, then you have no choice but to accept that given what we saw with Setson, right? Yeah. And Beck, <laughs> Beck, it's funny. There, there are people who act like he was a five-star, but well, no, he was like 250 overall. He's yeah. but, but He's do you remember? Do you remember the circumstances of Beck though? Yeah, Beck's from Jacksonville, Florida, yeah. and Georgia both wanted him. Yeah, Georgia takes Beck, and then Florida takes Anthony Richardson. Yeah, yeah. That, and, that they were waiting on Beck's decision before offering the future first rounder who grew up five miles from campus. That's like Kirby coming to Georgia and flipping Jake Fromm from Alabama, and Alabama says, okay, we're going to go get to a Tagovailoa now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there could be a book written about uh, 
uh, quarterback dominoes um, for sure. Like think about just like if this person didn't take this person, then what did this person ended up? It, it's pretty remarkable more, more so than any other position in, in recruiting, like what that, what that can mean. So, but yeah, I mean like Georgia to me is the clear favorite to win the national championship this year. And it's like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm waiting for their quarterback decision to think that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing when we say no one's sitting here saying, well, Kirby screw up this decision. He, he could screw it up. And I think he's probably afraid of doing that, which is why they may make the conservative choice, quote unquote, and go with Carson Beck because do no harm rather than go with the guy who some may say has more upside in Brock Vandegrift. Um, But that also may not be fair to Carson Beck. I mean, maybe Carson Beck does have more upside. He's, uh, he he might play better right away because he's now in his fourth year in college. Um, you know, but you know, and I know I said this earlier on the show, and I don't like know like Andy, you said it first, but I kind of agreed with you. But like looking back at it, it's like can Georgia pick the wrong person? It's like you know on the surface with the talent they have on that roster, probably not. But I also saw a defending national champion mess up a pretty high profile quarterback battle and it ruined their entire season the next year, despite the fact they had like 12 first round draft picks on the roster. So like, I do think that there is, you know, even if it's not the person or if all three of them would be moderately good to great in that offense, there's team dynamics. There's being sure about who your guy is. You start playing musical quarterbacks in, in week three against whoever they're playing. It just kind of messes with the mojo of a team, I think. So, you know, getting cute the way you phrased it earlier, I think is a, is a major thing that can have a negative impact on a season. Like I've seen well, it firsthand with a team that shouldn't have lost to anybody. I also think there were some non-SEC teams that were sitting there going, okay, one of these guys is going to be in the portal after the spring. And Seth, I, I don't get the sense that you feel that that way. I don't, I won't be shocked if one jumps in. Um, you, you never can anymore. I just will say there's been no buzz to that effect. Uh, ask me again, Sunday morning, maybe, and everyone talks about how spring games are overrated and to a large extent they are. They're just the one day that everybody gets to see the team. But at a quarterback competition, this seemingly close and important. Um, If one guy, like if Carson Beck looks really good, then, you know, maybe Brock Vandergriff, who probably has already had people in his ear saying, why he would, are you he would there? Be, seem to be the one that the people would be most likely to tamper with because yes. Carson Beck looks like the front runner and Gunnar Stockson is young enough to say, well, if Carson Beck has a great one year here, he may go, he may go to the NFL. Also, you've got the specter of Dylan Rayola. Um, mm-hmm. Am I pronouncing his last name right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get that because right now he seems to be favored to Georgia. You know, when does he, if he commits, when does he commit? USC's got Cliff Kingsbury now. They're yeah, making, I guess. They're going to make that run. But yeah, with, if uh, you're with analyst whoever, Cliff Kingsbury, whoever wins the job, if there is a winner between now and the preseason, knows they've at least got one year. Yeah. The one who loses the job says, Well, I have a competition with the yeah. number one overall player coming right. in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So. I mean, the thing I think that Kirby's rooting for is that Arch Manning doesn't start his first year at Texas. So he can point to that and say, well, you know, just because you're getting the number one recruit coming in here doesn't mean oh. he's going to start, you know. By, by the way, fans of if SEC anybody can say that, Georgia a, can say that. I mean, yeah, yeah. 
fan, fans of SEC schools who need a quarterback well, or non-SEC schools, but this guy's from outside the SEC, which means you can take him. Uh, mm-hmm. Hayden Wolf, the old Dominion quarterback, has entered the transfer portal since we've been on this podcast. So there you go. Also That's, two last names, so he can go to Georgia. There you go. Oh, <laughs> so if, if the two who don't win the starting job decide to transfer, Hayden Wolf can be mm-hmm. the backup. There yeah. you go. <laughs> we figured it out. That is Seth, two last names. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, let's talk about the defense, though, because last year we said, how could they possibly replace all this talent on defense? And damn, if they weren't as mm-hmm. good. Like it was, it they was weren't pretty amazing. actually, they weren't, they, they but, weren't as dominant. You're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. The offense did pick up some of the slack, but this group, it does look like they can, they could potentially reload, even though Jalen Carter's mm-hmm. probably gonna be a top 10 pick. Uh, they got a guy named bear for goodness sakes. Yes. Bear Alexander. I'm very excited about him. They've got really, I mean, Trey Scott, the D line coach has just done a great job of recruiting and developing it. It, it's kind of part of what Kirby has going on and what Alabama built and Ohio State also. When you recruit as well as you do every year, you become a machine because you can continue you, you can you can develop guys as well. Like even in the age of the portal, guys will wait if yeah. because they see guys ahead of you. Like some, some of these players are realistic enough to know, even as freshmen, they're like, okay, well, I'm not playing yet because Jalen Carter's ahead of me um, or such and such is ahead of me. And so Georgia's got that going on in defense and they have for a while. If, if you look at their returning production, if you look at uh, just the, the talent base in terms of five stars and where everyone was ranked, they, they have the potential to be as good as the 2021 defense. I don't know if that is reflected in terms of NFL draft talent. Um, I'm not sure they're quite at that level. Uh, I mean, they could be guys like Michael Williams, uh, you know, we'll see about the two inside linebackers, but you know, I'm not not sure how much draft buzz there was about Nolan Smith this time last year, even though he was in, you know, former number one overall. Well, he came back to school because he was only going to be like a third or fourth round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're looking at him being potentially like late first round, early second round t- kind of guy. So this defense, I don't like. I don't know, for instance, where Javon Bullard is going to be as an NFL prospect, but that dude's a player. A um, little bit the same with Jamon Dumas Johnson. Um, those guys, I mean, they're going to have NFL careers, but they are just damn good college football players. You know, they're and and they weren't huge recruits. Javon Buller was yeah. only a three star. Uh, Dumas Johnson was just outside the top 100. Um, but then, of course, they do have the five stars to, you know, so they, I think they're going to be really, really good on defense. Um, but they were pretty good on defense last year. They were more a bend but don't break mm-hmm. defense, like I wrote in my story today. They actually got better. Jason Starrett, our stack guy extraordinaire, pulled out a stat that was just beautiful about like, Georgia's defensive yards per play, how better it got the more the opponent got down the field. But we saw in the most important game, they got bailed out by the offense in the Peach Bowl. Um, and Ohio State's offense just ran out of time. to, to And win. ran out of Marvin Harrison because he got hurt. That too. So uh, they, they have to get the defense better because the offense might take a step back with new coordinator, new quarterback. Um, but it does still have Brock Bowers, as you point out. 
So the the scariest stat for me last year with Georgia was they didn't take anybody out of the transfer portal. They did take people out of the transfer portal this year. and But this feels like this is how you're supposed to do it when you're at this level. Mm-hmm. Take the best of, of somebody. because So Dominic Lovett was, was probably Missouri's best receiver last year and maybe yeah. you know wouldn't have been this year but but he he definitely was last year. Ra Ra Thomas was the best Mississippi State receiver last year. Smoke Bowie was gonna probably start at Texas AM in the secondary uh or or play a lot. And so they went they just went and got guys that that you can kind of plug in. Um trivia question who was it's not food trivia question. Uh, okay. who was Georgia's slot receiver last year? Who got the most snaps in the slot? Lad McConkey? No. Hmm. Uh oh, uh, uh, uh why am I blank? Kenny McIntosh. No. No? Oh. But you're right. Not a receiver. Was it Brock? Yes, it was Brock. Okay, it was Brock Bowers. Okay. Dominic Lovett got like 99% of his snaps in Missouri out of the slot. Now, I don't I mean, you can move guys around, but that's going to be interesting about the character of Georgia's offense this year because no Darnell Washington, but they bring in Dominic Lovett. Will they be less 12 personnel? That probably Mm -hmm. depends on the other tight ends, like what they feel like they've got and the guys not named Bowers. But um, it could that to go back to the quarterback thing, you could make the argument. That's why they might want the best passer, best pure passer of Brock or of uh, Carson Beck, because they're going to be throwing it all over the field a little bit more. One thing doing the the prospects to pros draft podcast on the on the athletic football show feed shameless plug. Uh, one thing that has taught me about Darnell Washington is like the NFL scouts say that Darnell Washington changed the way Georgia could run yes. the ball. It was essentially another offensive tackle on the field. Yep, and you can go find good blocking tight ends. You probably can't replace that. So what you're saying with Dominic Lovett. Sounds like they're going to be a little more spread out. And like Brock Bowers may be that attached tight end, but he's not going to be doing the same things that Darnell Washington was doing. And you don't want him to. Like you don't want right. to go out of your way to make him the attached tight end and take away from what he does best. Yeah. So it sounds like they will be more spread out and, yeah. and throwing the ball. That that makes sense. So a lot like they were in Bobo's the end of Bobo's first stint at Georgia, where they yeah. were very 2014. Spread out. Yeah. 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 And and by the way. You know, it's funny because the we all make our run the damn ball Bobo jokes. Very efficient offense for Mike Bobo. I mean, 2012 they led the nation in yards per play. Yeah, that was the Aaron Murray's junior year, and they had Todd Gurley. I mean, they they were loaded uh, on that team. But 2014 was that was that Hudson Mason? Hudson Mason is quarterback. Uh, they had Gurley, Sony Michelle, and Nick Chubb, but hardly ever all at the same time. Yeah, there were there were injuries, and so Bobo did a very good job there with those offenses, and and it felt like they were transitioning into a more modern version of the offense under Mark Richt. Even so, I, I think people who who have this idea of Mike Bobo in their heads that oh, he's just you know old school. It's not going to be like that. No. It's going to look very similar to what it looked like last year. The The lack of Darnell Washington probably is the bigger change. Yeah, they've still got some good tight ends. Um, they've got Oscar Delp, who uh, was a guy at South Carolina one, and I think he was barely outside the top 100 last year. Um, there's a and freshman. He played quite a bit last year, too. Yeah, yeah, and he's a 
bigger guy, but he's not as big as Washington, but he's bigger than Bowers. Um, they've also got a guy who's built a little bit more like Bowers who and Lawson Lucky, a true freshman who What a Georgia tight end name. Because his dad Lawson Lucky. His dad was one of the lucky triplets who came here and played um for Jim Donnan. Um and so it, I'll be curious because I'm not what we'll see with Delp. I I mean, look, obviously you can split snaps up and you can do stuff with different formations. I, I think you also have to remember that around here, Georgia hasn't seen their receivers stay injury free and in like maybe forever. Okay. Like they hardly had AD Mitchell last year. Uh, George Pickens had the ACL uh, before the 2021 season. Um, you know, I don't remember much about 2020, but you know they they had the quarterback problems there. 2019, they had terrible attrition at receiver, um, so they gotta assume things are going to happen, and then I think the the tight ends will come back into the four. But when you've got the tight ends that Georgia has, you can move them around. Like you can, they can be in the Darnell Washington role one play, and they can be in the Brock Bowers role the next play. Yeah. By, by the way, I'm looking at Lawson Lucky's Instagram right now. That man is living his best life. Best life. What's he doing? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure the way you're saying that Kirby will particularly like that. Oh no! I mean, I don't think he's going to have to. Uh, he's on a boat a with a bunch of uh, yeah, pretty young yeah. ladies, and he's just having a a ball on some Georgia lake. Yeah, I, I it's probably it's good times uh, I'm just kidding. I don't Lake know. Lanier. I'm not looking at it. it. It's it's not Jake Fromm needing to get the fish hook removed from from his leg situation. Okay, good. So right. yeah, I, I don't think I think now that Ben Cleveland is out of the out of the picture, the the fishing hunting expedition is probably not as not as serious as they used to be. Yeah. So that yeah, this this will be a very interesting year for Georgia Seth. I mean. The schedule, everybody's making fun of it. I, let, let us remind people they were going to play Oklahoma. The mm-hmm. SEC said you can't play it this way because one of these games would be non-conference and the other one will be conference. But so, And also, that was not the SEC doing it against Georgia's wishes. Right, right. Georgia, <laughs> Georgia was cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Georgia, yeah. 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 So, um, I, I wrote this column last week uh, where – I, I first I broke down the Oklahoma situation to you know that's the defense that Georgia people come to is like well we were gonna we wanted to play Oklahoma but the SEC told us to cancel it's, like, eh, it's not that simple like you know they wanted to play Oklahoma then Oklahoma joined the SEC and that made basically the deal go away. Um, it would have been weird to have one of the games as a non-conference and the other one. A and you just you couldn't do it. I mean, it was yeah. going to become a guarantee game. Um, yeah. And the argument could be made that maybe Georgia should have done that. And they said, all right, we're going to go play at Oklahoma. Give us $2 million. Um, there, Some people said, well, what, they should have done a Georgia's neutral site, rate. But. What is Georgia's rate as a guarantee opponent? That would be funny. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's like $7 million. Like, <laughs> yeah. You want us to come to your place, you pay us Kick $7 million. Ass and yeah. take money. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here, to reiterate my column and, and kind of boil it down, here's the reason – Georgia's schedule looks so weak beyond the Oklahoma thing because everybody on their annual schedule isn't good anymore. Yeah. Auburn. This is, this is more Auburn, of an Auburn Georgia problem. tech, Florida yeah. are supposed yeah. to be the tent right. posts of that schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. Tenet, the game at Tennessee is like the only game you look at and go, Hmm, maybe Ole Miss coming right. here. So, South Carolina will see because of what they look like at the end of last season. But 
the way Georgia destroyed them last year, it's very hard to to picture it. So, yeah, it is. They feel, they feel like they could just walk to the SEC championship game, and maybe we're wrong on that. But we're I just think the level about of talent. it. We don't have to be diplomatic about it. Okay, gonna fine. They're going to walk. Ass. They're going to walk. We're not the playing SEC anybody. They're going to walk yeah. into the SEC. We're, the Tennessee you know game what's going to happen? It's in Knoxville. It's in Are you trying to talk yourself into the idea that they could lose a game? Yes, the Tennessee game. <laughs> yes. I can I can I can live with that because you, we saw the atmosphere of the Tennessee Alabama game last year. Yeah. It will be the same thing if Tennessee's good. So it it will be very similar to that. And we I mean I'm still driving the Joe Milton hype train because of the Orange Bowl. So I don't know that they'll have the receivers they had last year, but Right. Yeah. Right. That's but, that's the tricky one, but there there's going to be there probably will be some challenge for like the Missouri game last year. Like nobody called that yeah. and they got challenged. So I, I, I do hope somebody can challenge them and make it interesting because I, I think the West is going to be very interesting in this final year of SEC <laughs> divisions. And then we'll see what happens and, and how it all shakes out differently. Cause like Seth, when we talk to the big 10 writers, we, we talk about how different the big 10 will be as a divisionless. Yes entity the sec it doesn't feel because georgia finally made the east you know gave the east somebody to to completely fear Mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel that way with the sec ditching divisions like everybody's gonna have to play somebody horrifically tough yeah i'm i'm doing for my mailbag the georgia mailbag on thursday i'm doing a hypothetical this is what georgia's schedule would look like 24 25 26 27 nine game schedule three permanent opponents and i'm just basically going, you know, taking the three permanent opponents who we think are annual opponents who are going to be Florida, Auburn, Kentucky. Um, And then you mix up the other six. And I already did it and I looked at it and it's like, that's just automatically. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be every one of those years puts this year's Georgia conference schedule to shame, which again, Georgia's own conference schedule isn't its own fault. Well, and, and here's the thing. Probably not a thing Kirby Smart wants to deal with, but if you're a Georgia fan who's been buying season tickets, you're like, thank God. Look yeah. at all these teams that are going to come to Sanford Stadium now. I mean, you're, you know, God love Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, and South Carolina, but those were four guaranteed opponents every year. Two of those four guaranteed home opponents every year. If the West rotating team wasn't good, then. You know, and then maybe that was a year you only had three home games because of the Florida game in Jacksonville. I mean, yeah, and, but it's automatically going to be better now. Yeah. Well, I, I cannot wait to see that when it starts, but Georgia can say thanks for, for an easy year with one more year of divisions. Yep. And it, as we said earlier, doesn't matter who they pick playing quarterback to get through that. Does matter once they get to the is SEC the, championship. Is that the game. motion that Kirby yeah. did on the field or no? Uh, I think Did it he was. do this with his hands. I think okay, it was. But I, I think then he realized that he <laughs> that had to people come were filming up with, it. Yeah, I think he realized at that point he had to come up with ways to make up slights to motivate his team. Uh, yeah. Well, somebody convinced Nolan Smith that the, that somebody had written they were going to go. He said he made seven. that up. He, he admitted okay. recently. He went on okay, some good, podcast good. and admitted that he totally made it up. Very good. Well, yeah. that's it did not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I have I have heard of that. Like. Because I know when Florida played Ohio State for the national title. Now, 
Ohio State was favored, and plenty of people actually picked Ohio State to win the game. In fact, most people did. But I do know that Florida grad assistants were tasked with creating fake headlines about how oh. how badly Florida would get its ass kicked in that game just to rile up the players. So well, in these days, you only need one. Like with you know, with all the everything out there and all the you know, like you could find before the TCU game, you could find plenty of people who were picking TCU for Kirby or one of his hundreds of animals. And they're all that, psychopaths. And yeah, to get it and post it in it's there. A, it's a pandemic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the, the, the college <laughs> college game day, how many people picked TCU in that game? Like, I felt like I was taking crazy pills. I think it was because everybody wanted – the feel good like air bud ending to the to the season and we, it just we, like was like that wasn't gonna happen. If you go back and listen to the taco tour show we did with the solid verbal guys and, and Mina Kimes and, and Mike Golick Jr. Like I'm pretty sure we were recording when we said this, like because Dan or Ty kind of served up the question and yeah, they said, how excited just, are you for the game and both of you are just like nope <laughs> George <laughs> <Not them>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I it I think it was maybe the after effect of the Ohio State game going the way it was. Like, I remember in the lead up to the Peach Bowl, Ohio-based writers were asking me, like, you think Ohio State has a chance? I'm like, yes, they have a chance. It's Ohio State. Dude, I want to, like, go find this column right now. But when Ohio State lost to Michigan, I wrote a column. You might remember the set that said that the biggest loser in this whole scenario is Georgia. Yeah, and you should go read the comments of that story. Like after it went up, they're like, "You're an idiot." Ohio State blows. They lost to Michigan, and it's like Georgia's hardest test was going to be against a team that was physically built the way that it was, and it came down to the last minute of the game. And everything I just been, don't understand why people cannot fathom it. They don't understand it, and it drives me nuts. Everything's been predictable with last two Georgia playoff trips. We going into the semi against Michigan, a lot of us thought. That's a great matchup for Georgia because Michigan is mini Georgia. Right. Just with not as good players. And it turned out that way. But you knew the Oklahoma game was going to be tough because they had just lost to Oklahoma or, or uh, Alabama. The Alabama game was going to be tough because they had just lost to them. This year, I was telling everybody that Georgia could lose this game. And they damn near did. Like that was a coin flip game, obviously. Um, but then going into the national championship, I think I, I was I was just like you. I was like, no. I just nope. Nope. I just, 468 I comments on this game. 468 oh, comments on this story of people who can't understand what talent means to football. <laughs> Put the Excel sheet down and watch the game. Georgia and Michigan, if presented with Ohio State again, would thump them off the field. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Uh, Fortunately, was, Ari, there was a game that proved you right. And it was a hell of a game. That Peach Bowl was awesome. You know, and the fact of the matter is, is that the better team won the game, right? You know, and that might drive people insane. (sighs) I mean, Uh, on that day, uh, on that day, on that day. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. If Marvin Marvin Harrison doesn't go out, maybe they win. But I mean, it's like, it's not like the team that won that game wasn't going to be the team that won the national championship. Like that was the game that was going to determine the national championship. Yes. And, And TCU had played really well to beat Michigan. And also gotten some breaks to beat Michigan. So it was, yeah. And it's not going to happen again unless it happens this year. Because it won't happen in the next playoff. Yeah. So that the, the, the next version of the playoff, that TCU team's not going to make it to the final. 
Kirby Smart was similar to Ari's thought process on not wanting Ohio State. He's very happy there's no 12-team or 8-team playoff last year because he wanted Alabama out of there. Yeah. Yep. Well, he's he's always going to have to deal with them from, from Nobody knows on, so. what the kryptonite of their team is. And Nick Saban would admit the same thing, and Ryan Day would admit the same thing. Let's do everything in our power to make sure that we don't play a team that has – 26 five-star prospects on the roster. That's it. Like that. Right. That's the only, when you built your entire program on having better players than everybody else, you don't want to play a team that's got good players. Take that variable away. And all of a sudden things get a little dicey. So yeah, no, you're, (laughs) you're exactly right. We'll be right back after these words. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, we got to move on to trivia. I can't believe we haven't gotten to this topic yet. We're going to repeat topics, by the way. That's just how it's going to work. But I, I do, I do like how this is ending our shows and and getting us talking about different things and 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 getting us into some interesting discussions. So we're doing food today. This is a, a frequent topic of this show. And uh, I, I got my question. Ari's got your question. Seth, do you do you have your question yet? Or I'm you, thinking. I'm thinking fast. I've got some little like. Oh, you I've got, got some ideas. That are, that are factoids, but I'm not sure I can make. Ari, do you want to do you want to go ahead and ask first? Yes, and I actually would like to say one of our most loyal listeners, Dominic Do- Dominic Petrolo. Have you seen his name? Yes, pop Dominic, up a lot by in the chat. Way, Dominic, by the way, wrote something for PhiladelphiaEagles.com over the weekend. So for those, if you haven't followed along or you're not on the YouTube page in the chat, uh, Dominic lost his sight because of diabetes, but still a huge sports fan and. So go read what he wrote on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. It's very cool. It's about continuing in, in your fandom, and, and he wants to, to do more writing, and it's, it's really cool. So he, uh, yes. But, yes, he sent Ari a question he to ask me. He sent me a question to ask you. Yeah. He goes, this one might stump Andy. Everyone knows that Dave Thomas founded Wendy's and named it after his daughter. Okay. But what people don't know is this, is the question. What okay. restaurant did he work in to make the most of his money in order to fund the opening of Wendy's. Oh man, I did not know this. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know the history of Dave Thomas other than he had a redheaded daughter named Wendy. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't know see. the answer to this question either, but well, well when did I'm, I'm trying to think when, when Wendy's opened? I want to say it was the seventies. Th- so McDonald's would have been open at this time. I think Burger King would be, would have been open at this time. 1969, but, November 15th, okay. 1969. Okay. But, but it, but it might not be a fast food restaurant that, that, or it might be some I will different. I'll give you a hint that it is a fast food. Restaurant. It is a fast food restaurant. Okay. 
wonder if it's a different kind of fast food restaurant. Um, is it a is it a fast food restaurant that still exists? It is. Okay, McDonald's. I'm gonna guess McDonald's. No, hmm. he worked at KFC. Uh, KFC. Um, yes. I, I was trying to figure out when KFC opened, but yes, KFC. KFC's been around for a long time. So apparently, he originally worked and managed a couple Kentucky Fried Chickens and developed the rotating chicken bucket that was outside of the restaurant for many years. He developed this, that. And because of this, KFC gave him money, and he used that to found Wendy's. When I was a kid. I was so mad when they stopped putting the, the KFC chicken in the bucket and, and went with a bigger box. Like when you got an eight piece, it used to come in a bucket. Now, I think it should be in the, a bucket. Well, they had brought the bucket back because like we were uh, we were on the Florida Turnpike and in, in, in one of the service plazas, they had a KFC and they had the buckets there. Like you could see them stacked up and they were handing people buckets when they when they bought their food. So like the, the bucket is iconic and that Dave Thomas came up with the spinning bucket. Outside the right, that's even better. But yeah, there's nothing better than that that bucket of KFC. Like it, there, it should never come in a box. It should always be in a bucket. Yes, and I believe that Wendy's started in Columbus, Ohio. Am I? Am I? Amer- America's test market. It is. Yes. Uh, that's right. So that's like one of Ohio's claim to fames. I think. That is uh that is excellent. All right, are you you are a a resident of Texas now? So, what is the uh probably the signature dish of the state of Texas is smoked brisket. Aaron Franklin from Franklin's Barbecue, Franklin Barbecue in in Austin, probably the most acclaimed pitmaster in America. Right, I'm now. going to Austin this weekend. By the way, oh, are you going to get some Franklin? Um, if that, if is that the place, is that the place to go? Well, you got to wait in line for four hours unless you order five pounds of meat pre-order. So how much is the, how much does that cost? Five pounds, uh, depending on which meats you get, it's going to cost you probably between 150 and 200 bucks after tax and tip. So So. would you rather spend 150 or $200 plus tax and tip, or would you rather stand in line outside for four hours? What's your time worth? It's just sort of like free cone day. (laughs) I'll pay the 150 and I'll get the food. I mean, free cone day at Ben and Jerry's. There was a, an economist who took a picture of it and tweeted out, Hey, look, it's, it's national opportunity cost day. (laughs) That makes no sense to me. Uh, I remember, I remember this and you know, I'm a big in and out guy, but when in and out opened up its first burger restaurant in Tucson, I was in college. Mm-hmm. And this place, it was before I had ever had it before they, they brought him to Arizona and we went out there and this line was literally five hours long. Like people were getting in line and waiting five hours. I don't know if I would get in line and wait five hours to go on a date with Margot Robbie. Like, I don't, like, I have no idea how is these she, people. Is she going to explain credit default swaps during the date? <laughs> uh, if, that, if that's that. the scene, then I will wait. I'll, I'll wait five <laughs> hours for that. Uh, but, you know, I just don't understand when people, people wait for things like this. Also, like even Black Friday, it's like, oh, I'm going to sleep outside of Circuit City for, didn't you do that? I did that, but I needed, I needed the computer. I couldn't afford the computer. I know, but how much cheaper was it? It was like $600 cheaper. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes sense. It was right? a two hundred dollar like computer that was normally eight hundred something. Oh, okay. Well, then you you did okay. Six hundred bucks, I guess, for a camera. Yeah, no, it was sense, the but. it was literally at the time the only way I could afford to buy a laptop. Just people sleeping outside of Kohl's on Black Friday. It's like just pay the pay the money for the socks and move on with your life. Well, not everybody has money. Some people no, have I know, time, I know. But, but I'm not <laughs> so. talking about a major ticket item here. We're talking right. about. 
50 cents. Well, and the thing with barbecue at this point, it's gotten so expensive that even if you wait in the line, it's going to be a hundred bucks anyway. There's two people. You're probably spending a hundred bucks because, and because you've waited in line four hours, you're going to spend all that money. So yes, it, the convenience of it does, does matter. All right. So here, here's the question. Name all of the spices that Aaron Franklin puts on the brisket before he puts it in the smoker. Name every single one. You think I'm going to be able to do? I don't think I can name one. I actually think you could name them all. You can use Seth as a lifeline if you need to. Um, Seth, is this supposed to be? Is this an easy thing for you, or am I like overthinking no. this? No. I'm not. A, I mean, if Andy's tone there indicates it's like two basic things. It's like olive oil and pepper or something. Okay, let me just think here. So, would paprika be one? No, paprika is not one. Cumin? Cumin is not one. Salt? That's one. Does that count? That counts. That's one. You got 50% of them. Get the other one. Pe- pepper? Yes. Salt and pepper. <laughs> That's it. He puts salt and pepper. That's it. How did... How, uh... So what else do they do? That's it. Is it well? Okay. So what makes it taste so good then? So they trim it perfectly, so they have the perfect amount of fat versus meat, and then it's the wood they smoke with. It's the it's the combination of of woods and and I, I think they use post oak. I believe I believe they're they're post oak there. Um, but so it's that, and then where does the, the wood originate from? It's around uh, around Texas. Austin? Yeah. Yeah. You, you tend to use wood that's nearby. Like there was a, a, a restaurant I went to in South Carolina called Sweatman's. It's in, in Holly Hill, South Carolina. And they're only open Friday and Saturday. And they do the whole hard barbecue where they just put the whole pig on there. And then they tear it up and, and put it all, all on the buffet. And I asked them, I was like, could you guys be open other days? Is, or is this, you know, wh- why are you only open Friday and Saturday? And and one of the guys explained to me, he's like, basically, we're lumberjacks the rest of the week. Like, they're cutting wood and 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 to to use to cook the hogs. So, yeah, I yeah. don't know much. I don't know anything about smoking meat, so I'm happy to hear that. Well, if you're smoking pork, like you're a lot of times you use a lot, a lot more seasonings you and you can do a lot of different things with it. But with brisket, salt and pepper is actually really all you need to do. And then you need to cook it right. The, the degree of difficulty in cooking a brisket is much higher than, say, cooking a pork butt or a shoulder. Uh, it, it's a, that's a much more forgiving meat. Like, you got to get it right with a brisket. And that's what makes places like Franklin or La Barbecue or uh, a lot of the, the famous ones in Texas, that's what makes them so great is they have got that down to an absolute science. Mm-hmm. And if you tried to do that at home, you would not be able to do it. Seth, I don't know if we lost you there, but the answer was salt and pepper. Got it. I got it. Um, <laughs> all right. Can I do my trivia question really quick? Um, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, I'm going to keep it local. This may be too common knowledge, but I'm not sure. I mean, maybe for Ari, maybe Andy, swallow your answer real quick because maybe Ari okay. isn't aware. Um, there's a soul food oh. restaurant in Athens called Weaver D's that has a, all right, he, Andy knows it, that has a sign up 
And what REM album is named oh. after the sign in that restaurant? Not an REM guy. Couldn't name an REM album anyway. Like, actually, yeah, like, I have actually had him say the first word of this album title to me. Yeah. As I was getting my 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 chicken and my my three sides. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna level with you guys. I don't know any REM albums. Automatic for the people. Is that what because, it's called? Yeah, because he said, and, and when when you when you say anything when you order, he he goes automatic. Mm-hmm. It's so automatic for the people. By the way, great album. Everybody yep. hurts. Night swimming, and maybe my favorite REM song, "Man on the Moon," the one about Andy Kaufman. And uh, losing my religion, maybe the most famous one is on the previous one, I believe. It's not on automatic for the people, right? So, yeah, I have to. You oh, know, drive, drive is on that one too. Drive's a good song. I saw the movie Air over the weekend, and I thought that the '80s soundtrack that they had in that movie was phenomenal. And I've been listening to some some '80s music the last few days. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll add REM's uh, "Automatic for the People" into my drive to pick up my daughter from daycare today and see if I can. I mean, I've heard these songs before, but I want to listen to the whole thing and and and, and discover maybe some new art because I do have to kind of be a uh, more of a child well, throw, of throw out of time in there too because that's that's the album that Seth is referencing. Losing my religion stands. Yes. And the yes. one I love might be on there. Uh, that no, those are on. Uh, those are on the one before that. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this the, that one has "Losing My Religion" radio song, "Shiny Happy People." Uh, yeah. But we, yeah, we like every once in a while with my kids, I'll have a, a kind of kind of a theme day. We had an REM theme day a few months ago. Uh, we've done Queen. We've done. Uh, we were doing. Uh, my son and I are going to Texas to eat some barbecue in May. And so I did a, a Pat Green and, and Josh Abbott day for 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 him to get some tight. And then uh, I've got little, Waco little on my calendar. Pal. Of, uh, well, we actually we have to talk about that because uh, the uh, the schedule's changed. I might need you to come meet us in College Station. Just just okay. Well, either way, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it is. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be outstanding. I'm excited. That's this is sort of why I brought the the Frank, and it's why I know about the Franklin pre-ordering process because we're going in May, and I ordered my Franklin last week. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you, you got to be on top. First of it. day I could order, I ordered it. So because I I have waited in the line before, and th- that was when all you could only wait in the line. But now they've got a situation where if you do pre-order at least five pounds of meat, then then you can walk up and get it. So. Uh, I, uh, I like my time. I, I like, I like my sleep. I think I might sleep in that day and then roll out of bed and get some barbecue. That sounds the best. So Seth, thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to, to finding out what happens at the end of the quarterback competition. And Ari, we got to get ready for the transfer portal. We're going to have Max Olson on later in the week to preview the opening of the spring transfer portal window. It's about that time. I'll talk to you later.